Hello and welcome to the Finding Proof podcast. I'm your host, Tess Crawley, clinical and forensic psychologist and business mentor. And I'm talking today with the very lovely Kayla Craft from the United States. Kayla is a former health professional. Uh, she's um, a former nurse, self-made millionaire and mentor and inspiration to many, many women around the world through her podcast and her website and her books and her YouTube channel and the Mummy Millionaire. Welcome, Kayla. I'm so pleased to have you talking with me today. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. Just so lovely. I feel like um, I was saying to you just before we started recording the, the episode that I'd been lurking in the background for a little while, you know, consuming some of your content, listening to your podcast. And I know that you and your husband have a lovely open conversation with your audience. And it's such a warm and invigorating um, positive is the word I'm looking for a really positive approach to business and to growth and to I think issues around money mindset too, which a lot of uh, my listeners uh, struggle with sometimes as well. And you have this really um, lovely approach to building a mindset that helps you grow as a business professional or an entrepreneur. How did that come about? I'm going to dive right in. How did that come about? <laughs> you were a nurse and now you're, you've, you've got this empire of your own that you've built. How, what was the turning point? Where did your mindset start to shift around what you wanted out of life, what you weren't getting out of nursing and how you wanted to go just to the moon and beyond? Yeah, I love that question. You know, I, I found myself at 23 years old working in the mm -hmm. ER and I, I wanted more out of life. I looked at all these people around me that were completely just unhappy, you know, and they had been in the profession for years. I looked at doctors that were older than me and they were just miserable and everybody was complaining. And I was like, gosh, you know, like if I continue down this road, I'm going to end up just like them, right? Because yep. you become the sum of the people you hang out with the most. And you know, you work a lot in your life, so you're going to become like those people. And so, um, I, really was open to new opportunities. And I went to a meeting, um, that was about network marketing and they'd said the two words, financial freedom. And uh -huh. those two words stood out to me because, you know, I grew up, I was raised by a single mom and, mm -hmm. uh, my dad was in jail for most of my life. He was a drug addict and yeah. I didn't know financial freedom to say the least. Right. We, we, yeah. we struggled so much. My mom worked her butt off and I just saw her struggle, struggle, struggle. And so I knew at a very young age, I remember being eight years old and I broke my arm and I remember looking down at the deformity and knowing that I needed to go to the hospital. And I looked up at my mom and I said, don't take me to the ER. I know we can't afford it. Wow. And I remember that look in her eyes and you know, this being a mom, yeah. you can only imagine your <laughs> own child eight years old saying that to you, to have yeah. that burden at eight years old. It was just a look of shame in her eyes. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment I decided, I was like, I'm never going to struggle financially. And, you know, I knew I was going to do something to make an impact. And so at 23 years old, I by no means was financially struggling. I mean, I was already having a six figure, 
um, career at that point mm-hmm. in my life. And so, um, you know, I knew hard work and I had already like been very attached to being financially secure. And yeah. so when I heard freedom, I was like, whoa, whoa, that's a new word for me financial freedom. So I was like, I'm all about that. Sign me up. Let's do this. (laughs) And, um, you know, when there's a will, there's a way. And I never looked at the opportunity, the business that I was getting into, like I couldn't do it. I never had any doubts in my mind that I was not capable. I knew I was 100% capable of building a business and having financial freedom in my life. Um, because up into that point in my life, you know, I'd, I'd gone through so many other hard things. I'm like, this isn't going to be hard at all. I got to sell some shakes. Let's do it. And yes. so that's what I did. And I think the mindset shift was really, um, just deciding that that was really what I wanted to do and not taking flack from anybody else. And yeah, I think a lot of times that happens. We go and we're like, okay, oh, I want financial freedom. And then you go and tell some people that don't have financial freedom and then they try to take your dream away from you. You know, they want to keep you safe. And sometimes we listen to them and we go, yeah, you know what? It probably won't work out for me. Yeah. It's an interesting point you make about people wanting to keep you safe. And I think this is a conversation I've had with a lot of people over the time that I've been working in this space around the things that people say, the criticisms that people make. And um, I think a lot of times people say, oh, they're just saying that because they're jealous, but it's actually not the whole story. I think that you're right that oftentimes those who care about you are saying things to keep you protected, to keep you close and they're fearful for you or they're fearful for themselves in that situation. Like they couldn't imagine being that brave themselves and so they want to project that onto you and and keep you safe. In the health professions in particular, I think there's often this expectation that we stay small, we stay within the confines of our role, we have all these ethical obligations and limitations about, around what we're allowed to do as health professionals. I'm guessing you you attracted some interesting comments and attitudes from your peers in those early days of building your business. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's so funny? Because you understand the power of the mind. I don't remember much of it, um, wow. honestly. But I remember being in it and feeling the pain. I mean, I had mm. – you know, my worst critic was actually my husband. So somebody I lived with, um, and you know, people at work would make little comments about what I was doing. Like I was crazy. There's no way you're going to become a millionaire doing that. Um, but you know, the, where I received a lot of stuff was, was actually at home and you can't escape your home life necessarily. So I, I really had to learn how to get strong and be my biggest cheerleader. And I think, you know, too many people, they just focus on what other people have to say, you know, like, Oh, what the other healthcare professionals think. Like, listen, if I was homeless on the streets, was that doctor, were those other nurses going to pay for my bills? Probably Mm -hmm. not. They'd be like, gosh, like what happened to her? So sad. Right. Um, and so I have always just, you know, I grew up in the hood. So I'm like, if you're not paying my bills, you don't get a right to have an opinion about my life. And so that's kind of just was like, you know, I knew people were talking, but it's like, keep talking. And so many of them have turned, you know, now, you know, almost a decade later and asking me, you know, how do I do what you do? I should have done, <laughs> I should have done it. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But you know, I'm out of that. I'm not even, 
you know, I charge $5,000 an hour to work with me yeah. now. And so I'm like, and no, yeah. you can't pick my brain for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I, can we just grab a coffee? <laughs> yeah. No. Coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. So I, I liked that, um, the, the statement you made earlier about being your biggest, having to become your own biggest cheerleader. And I think that, you know, when we, when we buy into the criticisms of others and we, we take them on and we give ourselves a hard time around, well, who do I think I am really? You know, what am I doing? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're all right. And we can talk ourselves down from anything. We can talk ourselves down from stepping outside our comfort zone, can't we? And yet if we feel fully supported, if we feel like everyone's got our back, we're the opposite's true. We're capable of achieving anything, but it's got to start with ourselves, doesn't it? You know, it's got to start with being your own biggest cheerleader, not your own biggest critic, right? Absolutely. And I, I really learned this because, you know, I had to build a team of, you know, it's up to 75,000 people that are on my network marketing team now and oh, wow. it keeps growing and growing. But I, uh, in the beginning, I would work with people and I'd see greatness inside of them. And I'd say, come on, you could do this. You know, you got this. Like the sky is the limit. I see so much greatness inside of you. And I could see it all day long. They yeah. couldn't see it. And so they never became successful because, yeah. you know, it, it's just you have to see yourself, you know, crossing yeah. the finish line, you know, and yeah. doing that race um, yeah. before anybody else sees it. And that's the problem is that most people we've been conditioned since a very young age to play it safe, to play small. And so we don't like to take risks. We're like, well, we don't want to put ourselves out there because of fear of judgment, fear of loss, fear of abandonment. And, you know, there's so much stuff that goes on in our mind, but we have got to talk ourselves up every single day and get us into the right energy, get Mm -hmm. us into the right state to go out there and make our dreams happen. Yeah, yeah, this is true. With with the people who work with you, so um, the other marketers that are on your team, how have you? What would you say has been your biggest success? Instead of turn, instead in terms of turning somebody's mindset around, being able to, what's been a big win with working with some of your team members? You know, I. I really always attracted hard workers. So those Mm -hmm. people that were basically willing to do whatever it takes, but, um, you know, network marketing is a very interesting career because it's all about the quality of people that you bring in. And so in order to, you know, become successful, you have to build leaders. So you can't create a whole bunch of people that are just followers. You have to be able, you have to be able to create leaders. And in order to do that, you have to be at a certain level of leadership yourself. And so I, I think that the, you know, the most successful people on my team are people that I was able to teach them how to master themselves and how to master their leadership of themselves. And, you know, we do that by breaking bad habits and creating new habits. And those all start in the mind and everything starts with the mind, you know, because they were all hard workers. They're all willing to do whatever it takes, but they would go out and do the work and then they'd still, they'd see no harvest. And I'm like, okay, it's because we're, we're vibrating at a very low frequency. You're doing everything out of desperation. And so you keep getting desperate people that this is just a vicious cycle. So we got to raise your leadership of yourself. And then you attract in more higher quality people that are ready to start their own business. Yeah, right. You've, you've got a book on that, haven't you? A book on um, leading yourself, the habit of leading yep. yourself. 
Yeah. 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 It's a one-year guide to becoming unstoppable. It's a workbook. I, I created it with the, you know, brand new network marketer in mind. Um, and I actually, you know, I thought of like, what would I wish I would have had when I was 18 years old, a book given to me that would just be like a, you know, a tip of the iceberg when it comes to personal development, very bite-sized pieces that was, that wasn't too woo-woo, you know, or out there that I thought was crazy. (laughs) But yeah. it made sense. And so I made it very short, very, it's um, workbook style. So every week you get something new to work on um, yep. because you're either a slave to bad habits or you're a slave to good habits. So I just want to teach people, okay, these are the good habits. And the more you focus on having these good habits, the bad habits will go away. Hmm. What's your favorite in the book? What's your favorite habit for you? I mean, I think the number one thing is visualization. Yep. Uh, that changed, I mean, I didn't know that I had been doing that, but I was doing that since I was a very, very young child. I would visualize myself being powerful and rich when I was older because I hated feeling so uncertain about my life and mm-hmm. out of control. I mean, when you're raised in an addict household, yeah. you, you never know what's going to happen next. And so you crave control. You crave certainty. You know that yep. <laughs> because yep. you probably right. deal with people, right? So um, so yeah, so I would visualize myself, you know, doing these big, powerful things. I, I imagined myself being a lawyer and fighting for, um, women's rights and for single mothers and all this stuff. And here I am, you know, I didn't know it would turn out like this 25 years later, but here I am, you know, still fighting for those single mothers and, you know, being a voice for women to become financially abundant. Yeah. I think for women in particular, I know that all of these principles apply equally to men and to women, of course, but I think for women in particular, there is still a hangover of this, I don't know if it's a 1950s style idea that there's still a place where women should be. Um, I know that um, being vocal and visual and out there in terms of motivational speaking and mentoring and social media is still seen as somewhat of a male domain. I think there's women now who are breaking that mold like Brene Brown and Mel Roberts and and they're getting out there and uh, paving the way for more women with various voices to be visible and to be, to be, uh, you know, to come out of hiding, to stop playing small. Mm. Um, Have you had any difficulties, I guess, as a woman being in this space? Have you, have you found it a challenge? Or has that not hit you in that way? I mean, it's, that's a really good question. And I guess I just haven't thought about it. Um, because again, I just, I guess I just don't focus on it. You know what I mean? Yes. But yes. I, you know, when I um, decided to start my podcast a little bit over a year ago, I was all very mm-hmm. focused on only bringing on females. And I only did for a year. I only brought on females because I'm all about lifting those women up because yeah, I would go to events and it would be all men training. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. you know, I love it. I, and I really resonate learning from men because I have daddy issues. So I, I learned from men really well. And, um, you know, but I was just like, where are the women? Where are these strong, powerful women that have something to say and that more of my people can relate to? Cause a lot of people actually have issues learning from men. And so, um, you know, I was just like, I wanted, I wanted to create that, but I haven't come up against anything where like, I don't know that I, I feel like I haven't gotten chosen next to a man. I just, yep. yeah, I have a very masculine energy though. So maybe that's helped me. 
in a way. <laughs> that idea that you can just go and get whatever you set your sights to. I, there's nothing, I tr- there's yeah. nothing in your way. Yeah. I truly believe way. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I totally get it. I was talking with Evan Carmichael recently about his trip ahead of his trip to Dallas to the Tony Robbins event. And I found myself choosing my words really carefully because of course I've never met Tony Robbins and I would hate to offend the man needlessly, but that style, that alpha male style that we see so much of, uh, Mm -hmm. it just really, um, I, I, I guess that resonates with me what you're saying about where are the female leaders in this space? Where are the women that are that are building up other other men and women, not just women? I think there are men who don't um, aren't attracted to that style either, that alpha male style. And I know Evan certainly doesn't place himself in that camp of being you know the alpha male in terms of motivational speaker. It is about energy, isn't it? I think that you know whether you say you have a masculine energy or whatever it is, but that mindset comes with an energy around positivity and being able to achieve whatever you set your mind to. And for some people who don't have that mindset, there's definitely that that drained energy, that that feeling like they're, they're being pulled backwards in a way. Um, I know that you. There was an episode of your podcast that I was listening to. The other day, you and your husband were talking about you'd just been to Monaco. Oh, the French Riviera. Yep, Monaco. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you were talking about mindset issues and money mindset issues and how for your husband it had been quite a journey to get out of a place of scarcity and into a mindset around abundance. And I'm, I, you said before, you know, he was your biggest, biggest critic for quite a while and I wonder how much of that was that, that energy around scarcity, you know, pulling him back and wanting to keep you back with him and how you guys figured it out (laughs) how did you figure that out as a couple and move forward I know I'm like one day we're gonna write a book on it when we can put words to it but it was a very painful time and um I would say it it had 100% everything to do with a scarcity mindset um because you have to understand when I was 23 years old I was already very I was an outgoing person And I was very loud about my goals. So, you know, once I decided I was going to become a millionaire, I mean, I was telling everybody. And when you go around and you start conversations with people telling them, hey, like, what are you up to? Oh, you know what? Just becoming a millionaire. It (laughs) makes people feel extremely uncomfortable. And my husband hated that I was making people feel uncomfortable. And I kept telling him, that's their issue and that's your issue and you guys need to deal with it. And if I could help people uncover that they have a problem, then I'm actually doing them a favor. That's how I looked at it. And mm. so it, that's where the scarcity, it was just like, gosh, don't make people feel uncomfortable. And of course, if I could go back, I would probably change a little bit of the things that I did, but, um, you know, everything happens for a reason, I believe. And, uh, you know, what happened was over time, I got a business coach. This was probably, um, it was after I was already making a million dollars a year. And I was, I think it was like 28. And uh, me and Chase were at the brink of a divorce. I mean, it was either, you know, you're going to come on this personal development train with me or this isn't going to work anymore. And so um, I got a business coach. And what he did was, I mean, I tell him all the time, I'm like, you saved my marriage because I realized Chase actually wasn't the problem. I was the problem because 
I wanted him to be my biggest cheerleader. I wanted him to be my business partner. I wanted him to, um, you know, believe in becoming a millionaire and, and be on this like personal development journey with me. And I was making him wrong for being who he was. And so I actually asked for forgiveness from Chase. And I said, I'm so sorry that I've been holding you to agreements that you never made. When we got married, I never, you know, made you sign a thing saying, you know, hey, when I get into personal development, you're going to be on the same train tracks as me. And, yeah. and so I was just making him wrong for everything. And so I, I released the attachment to having to be right. And I was just committed to being happy. And then all of a sudden, he, it was like he saw a change in me. And then he was like, okay, I want to change too. And so he went on this personal development journey as well. And it was like a really beautiful thing that happened because, um, you know, I, once I took the pressure off him, he was like, I want to change. I want to grow. And, you know, we had money to, for him to experience things. He got a nice car, nice house. We moved to the beach, our dream location. And so he was experiencing what money can do for you. And then when that yeah. happened, it was like, okay, I like this life. Let me learn more about how I can have more and be more. And I mean, yeah. now he's awesome. Sometimes I'll go and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I'm a little stressed about this. You know, this person yeah. hasn't paid their bill. And he's like, hey, there's more where that came from. Like, it's all coming yeah. back to us. And I'm like, oh my gosh, are you Chase Craft? Are you sure you're Chase Craft? <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I think that's, it's an important thing for anybody that's in any type of relationship is, um, just deciding on un unconditional love, you know, if, mm. and that it's okay that you're not on the same personal development journey. And, yep. um, if you just love that person, you know, it's different yeah. if it's something else going on, you don't want to be with that person. But, um, I think it's really different to go, Hey, like you just get to be you. And yep. by you loving that person for who they are, they feel supported, they feel uplifted and they go, okay, I can do anything I want to do in this world. And then they start to make a change. Yeah. 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 I think that doing and showing, you know, showing the benefits of an, of an abundance mindset, it's not all. And, and this is something I, I, I think a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, abundance isn't necessarily it's not necessarily a material thing. You know, an abundance mindset is all about how you approach the world, how you approach others. And I see, um, you know, scarcity. I have my own scarcity Achilles heel, which is time. I'm always say, I'm always sort of drawn to say, I haven't got time, I haven't got time because I'm so mm. busy with things. And yet I have to pull myself back from that particular scarcity trap and remind myself that I've got the same 24 hours as anybody else. It's up to me what I do with my time. And when I'm talking with people about, you know, scarcity versus abundance mindset, people, I notice in particular, people get very um, triggered by the idea of abundance and by the idea of having more. And, and however you define more is kind of irrelevant, really. It's, it's this notion that maybe I don't deserve it. I think Jen Chinchero talks, Jen Chinchero talks about this in her book. Um, you know, you're a badass at making money. There's a whole idea that I'm not worthy of having more than I've got now or having more than the person next door. And I think when I listen to your podcast, you guys are both quite open in talking about what you've achieved and talking about what you still aspire to. And I don't know if it's a cultural difference, but I, I know that um, in Australia, you know, you, you, 
you struggle to find people who are as open and comfortable having those conversations. And yet I think they're so important. I think mm. that we have to take a lot of those attitudes about money out of the conversation and just get focused on this is what I want for my family. This is what I want for my lifestyle. This is what I want for my community, regardless mm. of what that looks like in material ways. Um, mm. you, you've got kids. You've got three kids. How have you balanced all of that? Because I have no illusions about you being hard worker. You, <laughs> you have to be a very hard worker to achieve what you've achieved. How do you find the balance with working and being a mum? And I'm sure this is a conversation you have a lot with your, your, um, you know, your, the mums that you inspire. How, how have you found that balance? How have you made it work? Oh, yeah, this is funny. I was just speaking at an event last night, actually, and this was the first question that they, that the audience asked me. And I don't believe in balance. I, I truly mm -hmm. believe that balance is a myth because, you know, what's important to me and what would look like balance for me would probably be completely different to you and to yeah. my neighbor, right? And so yeah. you have to do what's best for your life. And I always say, like, in my life, there are no rules and I'm committed to being flexible about everything. And I want to teach my kids flexibility as well. And, uh, you know, I talk about non-negotiables. So there yeah. are a couple things in my life that are like absolutely non-negotiable. I need to be doing this every single day. If I don't, I'm not in alignment with the highest version of myself. And so I ask people, I say, Hey, if you could imagine yourself being a person, um, that just lights you up, somebody that you're super proud of being, um, you know, in nothing is off limits. You have as much yeah. money as you want. You have as much time as you want. Who are you and what are you doing? That's the highest version of you. You know, how do you respond to a challenge? How do you respond to a toxic person? You know, how do you respond to somebody unfollowing you on social media? You know, asking questions like that and going, okay, that's the highest version of you. And so if you want to become the highest version of yourself, you got to start taking actions that that person would take. And so I just know that like for me, the highest version of myself, the faith is high priority, top priority. Then it comes yeah. family, then it's fitness, then it's finances, and then it's fun. Okay. So yeah. there's five F's. And yep. what I do is I go, Hey, if I'm hitting all five F's every single day, I'm spending quality time in each area and I don't give it a number. I don't go, Oh, two hours here, two hours yep. there. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm hitting it and I'm paying attention to it because that's what the highest version of myself is doing. They're making an intention to live fully in those areas. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's what I'm focused on. And instead of going, it's cause it's not going to look like what's important to you. Right. Yeah. But I need yeah. to be in alignment with who my highest version is calling me to be. And yeah. so that's what we do. I mean, I schedule everything in and I schedule it even in time with my kids, you know, three 30 to five. Um, you know, usually because they're at school. And so I'll have that time where it's just complete quality time. My phone is not near anywhere near us. We go do something fun together, whether it's just yep. going to the park or we go do American Ninja warrior stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know what I mean? So it's like, I just, I, I really don't put that pressure on myself to make it look mm. like somebody else's picture perfect life. Um, because it gets to be my picture perfect life. I get to decide what makes yeah. me happy and that's what we do. I think that is such good advice. I think, especially for entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. entrepreneurial parents, um, the, the notion of no rules, but there being some non-negotiables. So, 
using my example, I mean, my family, we have, um, you know, my husband's a cancer survivor and we've adopted this no rules policy as well. And yet we have a very ordered and sensible life. You know, the kids have a bedtime. My non-negotiable is that everybody gets enough sleep. I think that we all function better with enough sleep. Um, But we travel a lot and we, you know, we work within the framework of what works for our family because of the work I do and the necessity for us to travel, for me to travel Mm -hmm. a lot. And I choose not to be away from my family. So for us to be together, that means the kids get pulled out of school from time to time. And last time I checked, the sky's still standing. So, you know, that whole idea, if you're an entrepreneur and a parent, you, you know, you're spot on. You have to make the rules be what they are for you and what works for your family. Otherwise, you're constantly in friction with the expectations of others and the expectations of systems that actually don't apply. Um, I had a really interesting conversation. I'd be interested to know your thoughts on this. I had a really interesting conversation with um, the principal of the school of one of my kids go to separate schools at the moment. And, uh, and he said, you know, the standard education system is all about creating workers so people who will work within the system, who will, you know, go off and work in a job, in an office or something, whether they're a lawyer or an architect or a builder, but people who are workers, it trains people to be good workers. Um, then it doesn't speak to the creative, it doesn't speak to the flexibility, it doesn't create, create uh, flexible thinkers in the same way that an entrepreneur is striving to become. Mm. And, you know, that sat with me really quite heavily I think in terms of what what so many in our community expect of themselves the rules they expect themselves to play by and the rules they expect their families to play by and yet they've got this entrepreneurial spirit and it's no long no wonder they're so stressed you know they're in conflict constantly Mm. with all these Mm -hmm. systems um I don't know if you found that you know with educating your kids for example I don't know how you've you've gone I'm sure there's travel involved in the work that you do as well you know it is Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a struggle. I uh, I really want to unschool my kids. Mm. And it's been a conversation that me and my husband constantly revisit because uh, we might one day do it. But, mm. you know, the school system is not actually helping people. Um, mm. I, I truly don't believe it is. I, I truly don't. Um, because the, just the way that the school day is even structured. And the way that there's no critical thinking involved in a lot of the things that they're doing, um, they don't get to express who they are. Um, and it's just like, yeah, there's a lot of things that I find wrong with the school. Mm. Uh, and, uh, but then look, I can't complain. I'm sending my kids to to a private school where they've learned a lot, but I see somebody like my daughter, my seven-year-old is a very creative person. She's, she's like my little mini me and she doesn't want to be in school. She's a singer. She's a performer. She just, she loves being creative and being imaginative and sitting in eight hours a day of school is not something that's, she's not going to be in a normal job. I already know that about her. Like she's mm, going to yeah. do something very different. So I always think all the time, like, really, how am I helping her by yeah. putting her in that when I could put her in just like a acting school, you know, yeah. where she yeah. could really flourish. And so, yeah. um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. And I think to ponder, and I think it just goes back to people need to realize that everything needs to be more individualized 
for our children and for ourselves, right? Yeah. Like a lot yeah. of us, we went to schooling. I know I have my master's degree and I, I'm like, what do I even use that I spent so much mm-hmm. time in school for? Uh, because mm-hmm. everything that I've actually learned has been an experience in real life. You know, that's really yeah. where the schooling came from or from self-taught education um, and paying for going to masterminds and getting business coaches and those things. So um, yeah. I, I feel like things need to change and uh, – yeah, that's a good conversation to keep having. Absolutely. I think I think that's I know that Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about how his yes, attitude, yeah. you know, his attitude of the education system and how it lets down, you know, young entrepreneurs. And something that um, I'm actually working on at the moment is opportunities to go and speak in schools with young people who are, you know, drawn to entrepreneurialism and business and and so on. But that, yes, that idea that not everybody should be kept in a room for eight hours a day, you know, that without that freedom to explore their creativity and who they truly are. And some kids are really, you know, like your daughter, it sounds very clear that she is her own person. She knows where she's heading in life and it would be a shame to coop that up, wouldn't it? You know, I think, I think, um, it's it's funny, you know. We've actually had a similar conversation about unschooling. Our my our older son, he um, has uh, struggles with dyspraxia, which is you know, it just means that he learns differently. Really smart kid, really smart kid. Constantly flooring me with the things he knows and the way he views the world in such an intelligent way. Yet we have a very flexible approach, flexible approach to his schooling because of the needs that he has in terms of his capacity to concentrate and energy levels. He's not able to be in a classroom eight hours a day. It's never going to be, that's never going to serve him. I I had an interesting comment from uh, a teacher about how as parents do you do that? Like how can you be so flexible? Well, because we're entrepreneurs and we work for ourselves and we have all this flexibility, you know, so in some ways it's like the school system is creating workers but it's also built in such a way that supports workers it supports people who work the nine to five. So it is an interesting conversation to keep having. You know, if you are an entrepreneur and you're, you're struggling with that in inverted commas balance, maybe there are other solutions that you're not entertaining because you're stuck in this box of working within the system. Mm. It's interesting it's, to see what the next generation of, it, of entrepreneurial parents are like. I'd be very mm. interested to see, to see that. It really is. And, and something while you were talking that came up for me was, you know, starting at a very young age, my, my son's in a Montessori school where they all learn mm. by doing. So it's, I, I love yeah. the concept of Montessori. Yeah. I wish it would go all the way through. Um, yep. And he's had such a great time because there's really not a lot of rules. I mean, you could yep. get up and play at any time and you're learning. And he's actually the most developed by this age than my other children. And, um, they didn't go to Montessori, but, um, the reason why I bring that up is because they're in school and there's just so many rules that are like ridiculous. The fact that you can't pee when you want to go pee, it's like, Mm -hmm. it it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Right. And I always told my kids, anytime you need to go pee, you get up and you go pee. And if they have a problem with it, they can call your mom. Cause I spent a lot of money at that school. And yeah. I, I, I'm kind of constantly telling them like, you know, there aren't really that many rules, but we're taught at a very young age that there are so many rules about the mm. way things need to be. And that's why entrepreneurs have a hard time charging what they're worth. That's why they have a hard time being their biggest fan girl because they think they need to get the approval of the classroom still. That's right. Not- because that's what we're trained for. Like, Oh, what does my teacher think? What does this person think? We're literally ingrained in our subconscious mind because that happens, you know, before we're seven years old 
to Mm -hmm. really look for the approval of other people. And so it's, you know, we have to do all this work to rewire them and get them to realize that it doesn't matter what other people think. What matters is what you think and what rules you want to create for your life. Yeah. So, so true. I think, you know, the fact that we are also the first generation, roughly speaking, the first generation of entrepreneurial parents in the social media world and challenging all those stereotypes around like we were saying before about what health professionals are for example are expected to stay within their little boxes and then you step out of that and start being visible on social media i've had some very interesting things said to me over the last few years um about about being visible about stepping outside of the consulting room and being visible in a public forum in that sense so i think you know you're right we've got so many things that we as this generation of entrepreneurs are so many walls that we're beating down around what's it, what is supposed to have been right, you know, and, and all of those rules are completely thrown out the window once you look at how small the world has gotten. The fact that you and I are having this conversation at opposite ends of the planet, uh, I'm on a little island at the bottom of the world. The next stop after me is Antarctica. And, you know, and we can wow, do this. Wow, that's crazy. Because, mm-hmm. Exactly, you know, we can do this because... The world has, thanks to the internet and social media and all of that sort of stuff, the world has shrunk and we can communicate and we can challenge rules together. You and I are singing from the same song sheet despite, you know, living miles and miles apart Mm. and we're challenging. I think the next generation will be really, really interesting. The next generation of entrepreneurs will be really, really interesting. Quite excited by that actually. I know. I was just, it just gave me chills right now because I'm thinking it's going to be really amazing just because I feel like, um, we're raising kids that are enlightened too. Mm, mm, um, mm. You know, like we're teaching them to ask better questions and yes. um, to be more curious and really encouraging that. And it's, it's, I mean, when people are curious, I feel like that's when more problems get solved. And so yes. it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens after we're gone because of the work yeah. we're putting in now, right? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. What a great conversation. I could sit here and talk with you all day about this. I think it's <laughs> such an interesting topic to explore. Um, is there something that um, you've got coming up that people need to know about? Is there something that you want to share with your particular audience or mine that, um, you know, for those mummy entrepreneurs out there um, that you'd like to share with them at the moment that you've got coming mm-hmm. up on your agenda? that. Yeah. So I actually, I have a membership program Mm -hmm. that is called the Millionaire S Society and it's reopening in August for people to join. And what it is, it's, it's a mindset mastery membership. And so we just really dive deep on all things mindset when it comes to money, success, self-worth, um, communication and networking. So that way you can get a good foundation for yourself and then go out there and build your businesses. And so, um, I'm really, really passionate about this because it's a very low investment every single month. And, um, you know, I'm able to reach people that normally they would never be able to afford coaching with me, but I'm able to help them get to the place where they could be so, so successful, um, with, just the tools that are, I know it's just a couple little shifts they need to make in their mindset that is going to help their life explode. And so I'm, yeah, I'm loving that membership. Yeah. How how do people find it? 
Yeah. So if you just go over to mommymillionaire.co, actually, you could, I have a couple free resources over there. I have um, a branding questionnaire that helps you come up with content for your avatar online. And then I also have a free ebook that's all about getting more customers to say yes to you. And you can download that for free. And when you do that, you join my email list. And Mm -hmm. if you're on my email list, you'll learn about when we reopen the society. Oh, cool. Awesome. Now I'm just checking the correct spelling. Or I should say the American spelling because, of course, we have the correct spelling. (laughs) (laughs) M-O-M-M-Y. Millionaire.co. Yep. Millionaire.co. And I'll put that in the notes, but just so people who are listening now can go and jump straight onto your website. So mummy, M-O-M-M-Y, millionaire.co. And then you'll find out all this lovely stuff about Kayla's story and um, but also how to get involved in her mentoring and her podcasts there. I'm looking at it as we speak. All of that stuff is right there for you to access. Thank you so much. Is there, um, is there anything you would really like to sort of finish up on today, a message that you think is something that we haven't touched on that, that women in business in particular really need to hear? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the most important thing for us to understand is your feelings create your reality. And, you know, people ask me all the time, well, what's the secret? How do you, how do you make so much money? How do you have all these opportunities? And, you know, I, it's not a strategy. It's not a certain strategy of ads or email lists or anything. It's literally, it's feelings. It's because I vibrate at a high frequency and I master my emotions all day, every day, no matter what's going on around me, I'm constantly triggered all the time, but I master the feeling I need to be feeling. So I get angry at my husband. I get angry at my friends or whatever. I'm like, is anger serving where I need to go and what I'm about in this world? The answer is no. I'm not going to feel that right now. I'm going to feel something higher. Um, And so I focus on the things that create the right feelings for me. And so focusing on the right visualizations, focusing on the right affirmations for you, focusing on the people that you're, the lives you're going to change from doing the work that you were called to do. You focus on those feelings more and more and you'll attract more opportunities into your life. And I know it sounds so woo-woo, but I just really want people to grasp that, that it is that simple. Your feelings create your reality. And so if you just have the right feelings, you can make as much money as you want to make. You can have every, every opportunity that you want in the world. You can have the best relationships that you want in the world if you can control that, which you can. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What a great message. I love it. Thank you so much for spending time with me today, Kayla. I have so enjoyed this conversation. Um, this will be going live onto my Finding Proof podcast um, as soon as I get it downloaded and then uploaded. Um, and I hope we get the opportunity to talk again because I think we've got a lot of uh, ideas in common. I think we uh, could, as I said before, could probably talk all day about it. Thank you so much. I'm going to finish off the recording now and then I'm going to have a little private word that nobody else is going to hear with you so hold on for two seconds and thank you everybody for joining us on the podcast today my guest Kayla Craft what a wonderful conversation I hope you've enjoyed it too